race of human beings, my son. They believe everything is alive. Not only man and animals, but also water, earth, stone, and also the things from them, like that hair. The man from whom this hair came, he's bald on the other side. Because I now own his scalp. That is the way things are. But the white man, they believe everything is dead. Stone, earth, animals, and people, even their own people. If things keep trying to live White man will rub them out. That is the difference. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I am joined once again by Sam Meltzer to discuss Chief Dan George's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1970 film Little Big Man. Sam, good to have you back on the show, completing the set of uh, all four categories. All four categories, and it's also been so long since I've seen you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was like what a week ago, <laughs> a few days. Yeah. yeah, a few days ago. We're both. Uh, I'm here in New York for New York Film Festival. Sam is here in New York for he lives here. Uh, we're not recording this in person just because it didn't work out with our schedules. We tried to, but uh, we are both reporting in from the New York Film Festival in the midst of the festival as we're recording. Uh, I'm like in three hours going to go see the zone of interest. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. Good. Uh, as always good to have you back on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, I, I think this came up because it came up that you were just a supporting actor away from completing the set. But uh, what drew you to this particular supporting actor nominee out of all of them? Um, A few things. I think that um. I like talking about things that are not, you know, discussed as much. Yeah. This is forgotten. Um, also, like, the track of Indigenous peoples getting nominated at the Academy Awards is interesting. And, like, how the 70s were kind of, like, the most prominent time for that. Yeah. In a way. And, like, just this is all of this, like, with the rise of Lily Gladstone. Yeah, I think this episode, like accidentally we managed to schedule it's coming out like the week before killers of the flower Moon yeah. opens so which is definitely convenient timing yeah yeah that's definitely part of it i also remember liking this movie more than i thought i would it has very like i, I didn't really know anything about it um it has a lot more famous people in it than yeah. i thought like it, it's a, there's a lot of it like there's a lot of people attached to this that i did not realize um, yeah yeah it was it was interesting i hadn't seen this one before uh watching it yesterday for this episode and i'd like heard about it this is like one of those movies that i was vaguely aware of like oh that's the like western kind of a comedy not really where dustin hoffman's really old for a bit and that's really all i knew about it other than this nomination but uh it was an interesting watch it was not the, I wasn't expecting the format of it. I, I I didn't know until like doing my research for this and obviously watching it that this was like a, a picaresque. I think is how that word is pronounced. 
where you know like know what that is it like like uh like tom jones or david copperfield or is where it's like about one character sort of like going from circumstance to circumstance over like a long usually like a long period of time just like you know character engaging with a larger world in these like very Mm -hmm. semi-isolated set pieces which this movie very much is to the point that like the wikipedia page for this has it in chapters of like here's where he's this part and here's where this part happens but uh yeah this was an interesting one and I, i i have some thoughts on it so we are talking about little big man from 1970 directed by arthur penn Written by Calder Willingham, based on the 1964 novel of the same name by Thomas Berger. It stars Dustin Hoffman, Martin Balsam, Jeff Corey, Chief Dan George, Faye Dunaway, Richard Mulligan, Jesse Vint, Jack Bannon, Amy Eccles. You got a little bit, a bit of William Hickey there in the, as the bookend. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is apparently in this, according to Wikipedia. I think probably just like as an extra. Uh, it opened December 14th, 1970 in New York and then uh, opened wide. Uh, or at least, you know, it, it had its premiere in New York and then opened December 23rd, 1970. And that is the movie we are talking about. Uh, so do we want to jump right into our nominated performance here? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, a little backstory on Chief Dan George, because I didn't know much about him. He like uh, he's a indigenous Canadian of at, at the time they were called the Barard Indian Band in British Columbia, uh, now referred to as Slail Watooth. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but he's you know the chief of that uh, particular brand of indigenous people in Canada. Uh, he served a bunch of different jobs, uh, according to his Wikipedia. Let me pull that back up. Actually, um, he was not an actor primarily for most of his life uh yeah he, he started acting when he was 60 i think yes so. in in a, a canadian tv show called caribou country uh which then you know his first movie isn't until 1969 it's a disney movie called smith with an exclamation point and then this is his next movie and the the casting for this role did you look did you see the other names that they were originally considering for the role of old lodge skins in this movie i don't even you don't want to know but uh, I, I don't even that's another territory of insanity that i they offered I, it I to marlon brando to. who said yep. no uh laurence olivier uh paul schofield and then uh they had cast richard boone from the uh, the western tv show have gone will travel and he backed out at the last minute and like they i think they had already started filming uh when he backed out and then arthur penn was like hey what if we cast an actual uh, indigenous person. <laughs> and they reached out to Chief Dan George and he took the role and, uh, you know, ends up with the Oscar nomination. Um, what do you think about this? Like, what are your initial thoughts on this performance here? Yeah, I think he's really good, actually. He is one of the better parts of the movie. I think he's... It, you see a lot of roles like this, especially during these time, a lot in this category nominated as well, of just like, these bigger movies, whether they're big from like length perspective or budget perspective, or like get a lot of Oscar nominations, but aren't as like skeptical, spectacle driven, where you have like these older men who, you know, come and go in these like monologues and they're talking about like wisdom and giving the main character advice. Like that's a very common theme in a mentor this, figure this category yeah. specifically. 
Yeah. Um, and this is definitely like one of the prime examples of that. I think that he's he's good in the movie, especially during the final scene that he has towards Dustin Hoffman's character. I think he's sort of this observe like he he's very observatory he's humorous and kind of wise and he's meant to be this warm comforting presence um you've seen this character before many times but it's a nice addition i think i think he's pretty memorable in the context of the movie that's not so memorable <laughs> yeah yeah it's a uh... It's a, a role that has, like, since come to be kind of a trope. The, like, wise elder indigenous chief that, you know, especially in movies that are centering white people, like this movie does, that, uh, you know, imparts wisdom and takes the the, the backseat to the narrative of the, the white guy. But this, um, at least from what I was reading, this is kind of one of the earlier examples of that, where... Uh, you have a native character that isn't just reduced to, you know, bloodthirsty tribal, like all of the worst stereotypes that Western movies had reduced all of these uh, indigenous people to for decades. Like, this is, you know, kind of breaking that stereotype in a way by presenting him as peaceful and uh, uh, calm that doesn't hold up the best because you know it sort of feeds into just a, a different trope that we see nowadays but i think he does a good job with it i think he the it never feels like the joke is on him for a movie that has certainly some larger than life characters like custer like uh faye donaway's character like martin balsam's character it never feels like he is over the it never feels like really well most no i'm not gonna say all but it doesn't feel like most of the native characters are presented as jokes or as stereotypes yeah. necessarily. I don't know. I, I think I, that that's in yeah. part because of the fact that the movie doesn't really care about them in a way. Like it is just trying to tell the story of this really old guy and like his 100 whatever year long life. Yeah. So in that essence, I think like everyone's secondary to him. Everyone's right. So yeah. in that essence, I don't think there was a lot of room for like atrocious, you know, yeah. mockery. Obviously, there are things about the movie that like either haven't aged well or were not fact checked by indigenous people at the time. Like that was just not something that filmmakers cared to do. But I think that it isn't like cringeworthy to watch his character or like yeah the other people in the movie now largely because you know this is an actual indigenous right. person right. playing this role an indigenous person that is you know yeah it, it i think that goes a long way in this performance is like this is a movie yeah. from 1970 that could have gone significantly worse uh, so at least there's not that but I do think it's genuinely a good performance from him not like beyond just representationally and and presentationally I think it's it's a good performance from him he is fun he is you know he has some pretty funny lines uh, and he he's, he's a, a welcome presence in a movie that can sometimes drag on for being like 
almost yeah. two and a half hours. There's yeah, that's ridiculous. there's certain segments that I think could have been trimmed and probably should have been just because Dustin Hoffman is not the most likable protagonist in this movie. Or the most uh, interesting. Yeah, or the most interesting character or the most engaging performance. Uh, but anytime he finds himself back with the human beings is how this tribe reverses to themselves. Uh, it's it's a welcome section of the movie because we get to spend more time uh, with old large skins and his sort of interesting way of... He has these like dreams that come true that are... I, I, I don't know. Um... I would recommend this movie. I think people should go out and watch it. I think it's it's an interesting time, uh, especially for a western of this era of of Hollywood. I think I think it has some interesting things that it does, and I I don't know. I just think it's I all I'm also right now in the middle of Festival Brain, so I'm very yeah, tired. No, I, so I don't know if I very yeah. wired to thinking about like, oh, what movie am I seeing tomorrow? What can I get in line for? How can yeah. I express past my like it's it's all of this and also new... yeah just in the so, interim of having watched Little Big Man to now I also in between then watched Anatomy of a Fall and La Chimera right so exactly. I've got I'm, I'm rewatching of, yeah. from this movie between Anatomy of a Fall and Evil Does Not Exist and I'm about to watch Zone of Interest so yeah. it's like <laughs> there's so much but um yeah looking at my notes uh what. Yeah, I mean, there isn't there, that much. He, he isn't in the movie for very long. Like, there isn't much to talk about. And it's not it's the most just, active He is, role. like, a guiding figure, like, a father figure to Dustin yes. Hoffman's character. And he has yes. a few, like, monologues where he's, like, comforting and wise. That's what you're... You know what you're getting into with this performance. And it, it delivers on what it should. Everything yes. that he did was exactly what he was asked for. So he didn't, like, do... Like, I don't really have any negatives when talking about his acting. He was a very good actor, and I have seen him in a few other things because, they, like, in the 70s, they would cast him as, like, the wise indigenous person in, like, two scenes of all of these yeah. movies. He's in, like, Harry and Tonto, I think I read. He is. He's yeah. he's with Art Carney when he gets arrested, I think. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one. Um, I love that movie. That's a really good movie. And I do need to watch. I've I've heard... Yeah, that's, that, I think you'd like that yeah. movie because yeah. it's actually, like, pretty subtle and, and like, cozy. Like, like, watch that over, like, Thanksgiving or something. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah I have been meaning to get around to it it's not one that i've avoided in you know in the way that some people really don't like that one um what else about this there is there's like a well i think it's interesting that four of the characters that chief dan george has played on film have their names have started with old yeah yeah that's a, a, a an interesting little naming trope that some of these movies like like oh we'll just name them whatever sounds vaguely like a, a an indigenous person's name that that happens sometimes in these movies um there's a there's a scene from him that i do really like that's after a particularly brutal massacre from uh from custer and his men where it's the two of them sitting together and uh, uh old lodge skins basically just like lists off the names of other people that died in this massacre and you know it's like it's just very poignant it's, it's a very one of the things that comes up a lot in this movie that we haven't mentioned yet but you know is kind of vital to uh uh interpreting this movie is that it's pretty clear and Penn was not 
uh, silent about this, that this movie is intended to be an allegory for Vietnam and for, mm, of course, yeah, for, you know, a- Americans in- invading and brutalizing that whole country. Uh, but it- it's a really poignant scene from him. That is, I think that's also the Satan scene where he uh, reveals that he's gone blind. And, oh, okay. but like, in a way that I mean, he has these lines that, again, feel very like white person writing for what they think the stereotype of a, an indigenous person talks like. But he says, um, my eyes still see, but my heart no longer receives it. And I think there, there's, there they're stereotypically kind of written lines, but they're not jokes necessarily. It's just sort of flowery language that is, you know, about the body and nature and the heart. That, that's another line that he has that I really like, uh, where he's talking about, uh, he says, white man, uh, they believe everything is dead. They believe rocks and the earth and the trees and the animals and even other people. They believe they're all dead. And if they see things that are trying to keep on living, they want to rub them out. They want to like I, I. It was you know a sentiment that I think he embodies very well. He, he does a really good job of delivering these monologues with this very flowery language. That it, it, it's it's a well written scene, and I think he does a really good job delivering the emotion behind it in this very stoic and calm, but very emotionally raw way. He he carries the balance of this character that is lived several decades and seen the the war being ravaged on uh indigenous people all across the country and i I think he does a really good job with the more dramatically emotional scenes in this movie as well as well as having some lighter scenes like at the end when he's gone off to the mountain and he's uh ready to face death and he does this like dance and lies down and then ends up not dying and walks back with Dustin Hoffman and it's a sweet ending that also has a weird joke uh as he's walking off uh he's like oh I've married a new woman uh who's she's a great wife except she fornicates with horses but she says she doesn't so I I've called her doesn't like horses it's a weird just like as they're walking down the mountaintop he's just you know I don't know. It's a it's a weird note. No, there are a lot of weird the movie on. There, yeah, this is this is not a movie that has aged super well in some of the comedic terms of it. Uh, we'll talk about Fade on Away, but uh, yeah, I, I think his performance does hold up relatively, at least. Like it it for what I was, you know, maybe wary that a performance from 1970 from a movie like this that's ostensibly a western comedy uh what it could have been uh and what it wasn't i think the uh, i i give it props for that i don't know i, I kind of trailed off with it's also yeah there is a lot of weird things about this movie there's yeah. a lot of do it, we want to move is, on and I, talk about I, the rest like of a, the movie here or are we yeah i mean yeah do we do we have more to say about it uh, yeah i don't really have much more to say about his performance how, how good. long is yeah. he in this movie for it's it like be 20 minutes 25 minutes, yeah, yeah. I, I think i looked up on screen time central it's like 23 minutes of screen time in a two hour 20 minute movie which uh i wonder yeah. what dustin hoffman's screen time is and it also it is only within the first like section so well he, he comes back throughout like he's he's like he shows up in the first section 
and then he's gone for like half an hour and doesn't show up yeah. again until like he's an hour in. I know you didn't rewatch this, no, which I didn't re-watch it's this, a so long, what... yeah, it's a long movie, and again, we're in the middle of a festival. I I didn't watch any of the other nominees here, so yeah, well, that's where yeah. I that's where I will take the mic and, and yes, discuss. But yeah, a, a, I just I just remember there being long stretches of this movie yes. that he's not a part of. Yes, there's a there's lots of time spent. Because uh, it's Justin Hoffman going through all these different locations, and I think that's a good transition for us to talk about the rest of the movie. I am beyond a doubt the last of the old timers. My name is Jack Crab, and I am the sole white survivor of the Battle of Little Big Horn. Uh, uh, popularly known as Custer's last stand. <laughs> Justin Hoffman is not good in this movie. No, but you know who is good because it's camp is Faye Dunaway. But, yes. Her character in this movie is so horny. And yeah. somehow wears where's a monocle that floats. It doesn't have like, it, it just stays on her eye. I, think, I think you're thinking of a different movie there. Am I thinking of? I think that's Voyage of the damned is where she has oh the really i think unless i'm misremembering because i know she's like styled really weird in this you're, yeah, you're remembering that in a way aside from like her main three movies main four excuse me yes her main four movies i always get confused like i always just mesh them all into one because they're all yeah. kind of bad and weird yes so and this well and this is the one where she has like the big dresses and her hair is like gray uh does she it have is mo- Voyage of the Damned. Okay, I I only know that because of a Sporkle quiz that I have curated that okay. that's like Oscar nominated in the same year they won an Oscar or like other movies they did the same year they okay. won an Oscar and I have both of these in there and so I, I that's the only reason I remember that because I have not seen Voyage of the Damned but yeah when I was when she oh, showed yeah, up I in this movie I remember her being really horny while he was like taking a bath or something and yeah she's his stepmom or, or uh, not yeah. stepmom uh, adopted something- mom. Yeah, uh, he because the the Dustin Hoffman story. So the the framing device of this movie is he's an 121 year old man in 1970, recounting his entire life. And when he was 10, the wagon train that his family was on got massacred, leaving only him and his sister. And he gets raised in this tribe until he's you know a young adult, and then he gets sent out to the the white man's world i don't remember specifically but some way or another he he winds up in a city where this guy uh, uh adopts him and he is married to faye dunaway and she is this you know christian woman that's trying to impart christian values and also she gives him a bath and is very horny for him and then also like uh has sex with like a, a guy that runs like a uh like a general store and that's mm-hmm. when dustin hoffman runs away but like when i wrote down in this in my notes with like fade Dunaway's stepmom and then a few minutes later oh stepmom underlined like that is that kind of is that kind of situation that's what we're doing here and then years later in the over the course of the movie uh uh hoffman is hooked up with a, a wild bill Hick- hickok who his dying wish is to give this money to this widow is how he puts it uh, so that she can get out of her situation uh she's uh, working in a brothel and 
Hoffman returns to this place and like, here's the money. Oh, it's Faye Donaway. And she's like, I remember you. You were like, I adopted you and I was so horny for you. And I there was like a time when I I stood in your bedroom while you were asleep and just looked at you and <laughs> the temptation was so strong. And it's it's a weird like the movie it's, spends a lot also of time. Does on not it. look attractive in this movie. So well, yeah, I don't it's know. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was happening with her mind. Yeah. She must have been very repressed. It's the same thing as the graduate, honestly. Um but yeah, it's it's she's only in like those two sections of the movie. And, and she's still the part I remember most about. Yeah, it's very memorable, uh, partially because it's Faye Dunaway, but also because it's just such a big character that she's having a lot of fun with. Yeah, it's well, because this is her reuniting with Arthur Penn, who had directed uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, so this is kind of like a favor for him, I guess. I do want to talk about Arthur Penn briefly, uh, just because yeah, this was the height of his career. Yes, he had three best director. Did he get nominated for The Miracle Worker? Yeah. Yeah. So he's directed for the Miracle or nominated for the Miracle Worker, even though that doesn't get a Best Picture nomination. That wins two actors. It was Oscars. probably really close to getting the yes. Best Picture nomination. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. That, which is so considering it's yeah. better than all of those nominees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so he has that. There's some other movies I didn't write down. And then Bonnie and Clyde. He gets another nomination. That does even better. That gets a whole bunch of nominations across the board. And then the movie in between Bonnie and Clyde and this, which if I ever start a Patreon for this podcast, I've, I've long said that I want to start off with a mini series about the lone director nominations because there's only 12 of them and they're interesting. Uh, Alice's Restaurant, the movie based on the song by Arlo Guthrie, uh, he directed that. He gets a Best Director nomination for it. Have you seen it? I haven't, uh, but I've heard the song and I know it's, it's an interest like it's a it's a weird that it's based on a song even though that's like a very storytelly storytelling y song that's like 12 minutes long that's just telling the story that I, I think the movie just is just telling the story of but uh, by all accounts a weird best director nomination very weird I I I've seen the movie and uh, the only thing I can think of is like maybe he just had a lot of friends who I guess it's a lot of clout after Bonnie. He like and Clyde. gathered a screening or something with all of the directors and that yeah, that could also be a it. nice a nice meal or something. Yeah. But just it's for the a type of movie it is. Movie. Like it, it, it's yeah. it's very much like the birth of this whole counterculture like movement. And I, I think that the movie is very I, I can imagine people really liking it when it came out as sort of this like underground movie that represents this distinct group of people it feels yeah. kind of authentic but i the don't director's branch was I doing met, a lot of i don't that think i've met anyone else who has seen this movie yeah yeah it's, it's an odd little one of many oscar footnotes that's a strange little occurrence but uh and he follows it up with this little big man which is like like a, a moderately successful thing in the time. Like it, it's a popular movie. Yeah, but it did have it a really out. big budget. Yeah, huge budget. But like, this is a, it's a movie that like is generally forgotten today, but not like entirely. Like it's a movie that like my dad remembers hearing about from the time. And like he is, a, it, this is very much like a, a movie your dad remembers 
type of movie. I don't think so. I don't think my dad remembers it. Yeah, it is not a universal well, thing like, there, but it is it's the general sort of movie your dad remembers. Type like type of movie. If that's a, if you can call that a genre, this is in there of like, oh yeah, that's a weird little western that uh well, the thing this is most remembered for, which we also haven't talked about cuz it's briefly in this movie, it's like barely in this movie is the makeup on Dustin Hoffman in the the beginning and ending segments. Yeah. The very cuz he's playing a 121-year-old man. This, it takes a lot of makeup to make that work. And this was like revolutionary at the time of like the full facial prosthetic uh the the hands like I was reading up on it that like they the they did something with his eyelids that made it so that like he could blink in the makeup and it would work it would like like they had Mm. stuff on his eyelids that like when the makeup designer watched the movie he was like they cut out all of the close-ups where he's blinking you you never see him blink in the movie and we spent all this time on it but uh yeah there's like a behind the scenes video you can watch yeah for its time for what it is it's pretty good old age makeup it it doesn't look this a lot in biopics yeah so this was kind of one of the first instances of that Yes, of like full face prosthetic, of like caked in makeup, darkest yeah. hour vice type of type of shit. Like, yeah, this is the blueprint. It it really like genuinely it is considered a landmark movie in the field of prosthetic makeup. Uh, so you yeah. have yeah, that's another thing worth noting in this. Yeah, movie. I think it uh, yeah, yeah, it, it does. Uh, what else is in this? Uh, <laughs> I I just the movie doesn't take itself that seriously. It does like, occasionally. Which, it which does, is, which I do appreciate. Yeah. It like it does when it needs to. When it when it is showing the brutality of yeah, the yeah. But I just American mean the forces. general like, like narrative of it is yes. overall pretty light. It's yeah. not a difficult movie to watch. Like it's long. The pacing is pretty good. Sometimes, um, sometimes it like there there's some of these segments where like all of a sudden he's like a. a like a helper to Martin Balsam, the snake oil salesman who like is continuously losing body parts. And he's like, there's a hook for a hand and an eye patch and a peg leg and all this stuff. And then as soon as that starts, it stops. And now he's becoming a gunslinger with his sister that he's been estranged from and runs into again. And then he's uh, working with the uh, 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 Wild Bill Hick- Hickok and then Custer and all. Like sometimes it jumps really quickly from one part to another in a way that is hard to really orient yourself in this movie. But other times when it does, when it does uh, uh, stay with a section for an extended period of time, it doesn't feel like it's dragging. Sometimes yeah, it's rushing, I mean. but it's never I dragging. Think, I didn't find it like unbearable to sit through. Like the runtime. I don't know if it's entirely justified, but at the same time, I didn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. For like I've I've had to watch some long movies lately for this show. I think if I'm remembering correctly, maybe I'm just entirely throwing that out there for with no basis. I mean, I'm, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of long movies. Yeah, I've I've sat through some longer movies lately that have really felt it, and this one didn't feel like it. No, this one no. was a leisurely like 140-ish minutes. Kind of, not always. Yeah, and, and but... the thing is, I I always say this, my favorite movie, like obviously this is not one of my favorite movies ever, but my favorite movies of all time are either 90 minutes or less or two and a half hours or more. I 
think the worst runtime of a movie objectively is like two hours and 10 minutes. Cause like, what are you doing? What, what do you like? You're a weird middle ground and you don't know how to pace yourself. And like, that wasn't an issue for me with this, even though it does kind of fall into that odd middle ground of like, doesn't commit to being really long, but isn't like succinct enough to be an hour 40 or less. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, that's, kind of owed to the fact that it's not telling one singular narrative story the yeah. fact that you it's mostly told in vignettes i think helps with that for sure uh, it, it's it's an interesting movie in that regard but i i don't think it necessarily falls apart on that i didn't write down a ton of notes about the rest of the movie uh because i it, do it, kind it, of like know. the fable-esque yes kind of storytelling that we had here it feels like a fairy tale in many ways or like not like a fairy tale like a tall tale which like yeah it's almost like you can envision even though it's violent you you can envision like maybe like younger kids going to see this movie when it came out like i feel like maybe like yeah 10 year olds would go to see this although there is a lot of stuff about sex there's a lot of still though i feel like at that time the perception of that and the stigma around that was very different yeah uh, what? So maybe it was more of a family thing. I maybe. Know. I mean, it might have been. I, I, I don't think, because it is, you know, generally billed as a comedy. Uh, yeah. I, I think. Um, what else? Uh, the, the stuff with Wild Bill Hick- Hickok. Well, I keep saying Hillcock. Chief Dan George Hickok. the first indigenous person to get nominated for an Oscar? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so and I was just looking at the Wikipedia page of list of indigenous Oscar nominees. Well, the first, well, because um, uh, Merle Oberon had Maori heritage, but was not yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, open uh, about that in her time. Um, I, I think if I'm remembering correctly from looking at that page, and maybe I'm not, uh, the only Native American, like Native United States American indigenous person that uh, has been recognized at all by the Academy is Wes Studi, who uh, received an honorary Oscar a few years ago, uh, because Chief Dan George is indigenous Canadian. Um, uh, Graham Greene nominated for Dances with Wolves, also indigenous Canadian. Uh, let me double check on that, though, because I don't want to be. Forgetting. Yeah, Merle Oberon was. Indigenous and also from what country from New Zealand? Yes, uh, Maori is the indigenous uh, New Zealand group. Yeah, looking at this uh, list of Indigenous Academy Award winners and nominees, you have uh, uh, Taika Waititi and Chelsea Winstanley as producers for Jojo Rabbit. Um, Also Taika Waititi for adapted screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, who are uh, both Maori. Um, Merle Oberon for The Dark Angel. Keisha Castle-Hughes for Whale Rider. Is a uh, uh, has Maori uh, heritage. Yelitsa Aparicio, uh, Mixtec and Trike, uh, nominated for Roma. Chief Dan George and before. yeah, uh, Chief Dan George and Graham Greene, uh, both Indigenous Canadian. Jocelyn Lagarde, uh, Tahitian, nominated for Hawaii. Oh, that I that feels like a movie that you could be talking about. It does, That's but it got like six. Like you could nominations. do an honorary thing because that is a wild story. With yeah, that one. I'm not gonna read everyone off of this list yeah uh, but, but this was definitely few and far between yes and, and, and yeah yeah it's a it's a real shame and uh i say like fingers crossed for lily gladstone but that feels like 
essentially a sure thing. It's again, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, October. She's playing but... a lead actress in a Martin Scorsese movie. She's, yeah, it's fine. She's I, fine. I, 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 I also don't want to, you know, jinx it and say she's fine and it's October and then come January. No, I know, yeah, but, but it's still, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I've this... also in the last few days seen several celebrities like posting about her performance. Yeah. So I also do hope. have pulled up, uh, while we're on a similar uh, conversation, this is a Western in 1970. And this is kind of at the, the 70s are kind of, at the you can track the decline of the western as yeah. a hollywood uh like blockbuster genre kind of year by year uh to the like even just juxtaposing, ju- juxtaposing wow uh, even just juxtaposing it against the prior year at the academy you have butch cassidy and the sundance kid is a best picture nominee you have john wayne winning for true grit you have uh what else is uh the I think there was another one, or am I misremembering? Um, I guess that's it. Uh, but you have both of those the year before. In the 60s, you also have Cat Baloo winning for Lee Marvin. You have How the West Was Won is a Best Picture nominee. You have The Alamo is a Best Picture nominee. Uh, like, the 60s are... There's also, you have experimental westerns. You have the spaghetti westerns that Sergio Leone is doing. You have some other sort of weird West things going on. But then 1970, Little Big Man, which is this sort of comedic, a a different take on the Western for sure. McCabe and Mrs. Miller the next year is another sort of nail in the coffin. Uh, Blazing Saddles, I think, is the one that really marks the we're done with Western as a mainstream uh, uh, Mm. thing because, you know, we have this blockbuster comedy really making fun of the tropes of it. Uh, and then by the end of the decade, you just don't really get Westerns. Yeah. You don't, especially not in the traditional sense. You don't get that genre of Western doing well box office wise or uh, Oscar wise or anything. And it's just, it's an interesting, interesting how long that was a thing. And it's had its revivals. Like, I'm not saying the Western was dead and buried in the ground forever, but. I was looking at the, I have a letterbox list up of uh, Best Picture nominees that are under the Western uh, banner there under that tag. There's 21 of them, and there's a gap between Butch Cassidy and Dances with Wolves, like 21 years where there's just not. And there's been like six since Dances with Wolves, if you count like Hell or High Water. Uh, And if you count No Country for Old Men, there's seven because letterbox but it is. Uh, it's not on here, but maybe. But uh, Letterboxd has listed Unforgiven, True Grit, Django Unchained, The Revenant, Hell or High Water, and Power of the Dog, which are mm-hmm. generally, I, I like some of those and I don't like some of those, and I'm mixed on others, and that is the uh, extent of opinions you can have about movies, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it's what are your favorite westerns? Uh, I know it's um, not a, a, a genre that you particularly are in as as enthused by as others. I, I don't uh, I haven't seen a lot I'm literally yeah. just going on letterbox and seeing yeah okay it labels the new land which is the sequel to the emigrant as a western I don't know I'll if I would say that that's a western but I guess it's my highest rated I do really like the movie HUD yeah the whole new movie um and I guess if you count 
Power of the Dog as a Western. I would count yeah. it. Yeah, I'd say yeah, that like that's there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <That's... laughs> yeah. It's again, I haven't seen any of the Leone classics. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that... I'm little... I um, I recently I had seen Good, the Bad, and the Ugly a long time ago and didn't remember a lot of it, and then. Earlier this summer, I got to see it in the theater, and it jumped up to like my top twenty. It's yeah, because you like yeah. to see it in the theater. Yeah, and, and just like like the there's, that's a great movie. It's like that's one of my favorites. That's things. a scorching hot take over here. I mean, uh, yeah, big surprise. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Good movie. Uh, but uh, Dead Man by Jim Jarmusch is just like generally one of my favorite movies, and that's that's up there for me. First Cow is labeled as one, and I'll I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, are Kelly Reichardt movies like where's the some of them? Yeah, I, I'd say uh, like Meeks cut off decidedly okay. a western. Uh, uh, first Kelly Reichardt movies, yeah. I can I, I get behind that, of course. Yeah, maybe not showing up, but like no, and no, I, I'm just Wendy yeah. and Lucy. Yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, Power of the Dog, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, High Noon, Johnny Guitar. I'm just reading off my my yeah, letterbox yeah. list at this point, but yeah, I've I've talked about. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, as I mentioned on this show, um, are there others? I'm sure there there has to be uh, that I will eventually be. I didn't like McCabe and Mrs. Miller as much as I wanted to, and I know a lot of people think that it's a masterpiece, but I am more in, in the second camp. The but I, that's how I felt the first time about it, but then rewatching it, I I did yeah fall in love with it. Okay, so I I will be doing. I've already okay Saratoga trunk it counts I I guess so I've done that uh, but then I also I'll be doing Hondo which yeah Ugh. that's a, that's a John Wayne that that's one of those weird cases where like technically it did get another nomination but the Academy rescinded it before voting oh what so, was it like it got like a screenplay nomination in a category that they deemed it ineligible for because like they nominated it for like best original story. And then it turns out it was based on something or the other way around. I don't know, but I, I all I know is it got that rescinded. So I'll talk about that eventually. And then also comes a horseman uh, later in the seventies uh, and city slickers. So well, we'll be, we've got a few more Westerns in the can. Um, mostly I'm just going off on tangents now to pad out the runtime because uh, I don't know if this, this is going to be yeah, a pretty short episode. Talk about with this movie. I mean, Not much, and we're also both, again, uh, 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 yeah. festival brain fried and tired, and I'm, again, seeing the zone of interest in, like, now it's two hours from now. Uh, That's awesome. Has passed, but... Well, we yeah. could talk about, like, the fact that Chief Dan George won a lot of critics awards for this yeah. performance yeah is there anything else we want to say about the movie specifically before we get into oscar stuff uh, seems like probably not unless you want to no okay let me turn my page here the nominees for best performance by an actor in a supporting role are richard castellano in lovers and other strangers john marley in love story Gene Hackman in I Never Sang for My Father, Chief Dan George in Little Big Man, John Mills in Ryan's Daughter. So yeah, uh, uh, precursor stuff. This movie had its... It was mostly him. He was mostly... Mostly, but yeah, but not entirely. The the Golden Globes, he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. 
John Mills wins there as well. Also nominated John Marley for Love Story. And then Trevor Howard for Ryan's Daughter and George Kennedy for Airport, who both uh, seem to pop up a couple other places I was looking. Uh, so I guess we got that as well. Uh, uh, I wanted to look up something actually that I didn't until just now. So let me look this up. Okay. Okay. I, I see where I am now. Um, uh, the BAFTA Awards, uh, Chief Dan George doesn't get nominated, but Dustin Doctor. Hoffman gets nominated for Best Actor, uh, loses to Peter Finch for Sunday Bloody Sunday. Uh, the movie's nominated for the Anthony Asquith Award for Film Music, which it loses to Summer of 42, a movie we watched together over Zoom. Uh, before That the... we both didn't really pay attention to yeah. while we were watching it. Yeah. Weird. That... Yeah. Oh, because this was BAFTA eligible the next year. Uh, uh, that's why it's yeah, movies that it uh, came out in the UK later. Yeah, uh, and it's nominated for something called the UN Award, which it loses to Battle of Algiers. But um, I just wanted to look up what the other. How uh, long was the Battle of Algiers eligible for? I swear I, that movie came out right? like that movie was eligible for like seven different ceremonies because yeah, it it came out in the mid '60s and then like got Oscar nominations in the late '60s and then like got other shit in the '70s. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to look up who the other supporting actor nominees were here. Uh, Edward Fox wins for the go-between. Ian Henry for Get Carter. John Hurt for Ten Rillington. Excuse me, Ten Rillington Place and Michael Go Goff, the uh, Alfred from the Tim Burton Batman movies, uh, is uh, nominated also for the go-between. Um, so no Chief Dan George there. Big surprise from BAFTA. Uh, at the Writers Guild, this is nominated for best. A drama adapted from a previous material or whatever it's called a uh, best adapted drama because uh, they had adapted and original comedy and drama so four categories uh loses to i never sang for my father at the new york film critic circle chief dan george wins best supporting actor he also wins the national society of film critics and the laurel awards which i've talked about before and i don't remember what they actually are i think it's like a, they were it's like a magazine like award old, yeah but like a Golden Globes if they were a magazine award. Yes. Uh, also, Hoffman is nominated for Best Comedy Performance Male. And it's nominated, like makes their list for Best Picture. It was like number 10 because I think they did a ranked list according to IMDb. Then also, this isn't a precursor thing, but it is on the IMDb Awards tab. And so I wanted to briefly touch on it. Uh, this movie was inducted into the National Film Registry in 2014. The, the, the Library of Congress does. But every year they bring in like 25 movies or so uh to be preserved for the national film registry uh other movies in this class of inductees you have ferris Bueller's day off uh the vincent price house of wax rio bravo rosemary's baby saving private ryan the big lebowski uh willy wonka uh luxo jr the pixar short the oh. the the lamp yeah. the pixar short about the lamp there were others i didn't write down um but a lot of like, you know, because they always also have like experimental things and documentaries and shorts and things that, but I wrote down the like the mainstream titles that were on that list that I recognized and felt like, right? I wrote down the ones I wrote down, uh, deal with it, I guess. I don't know who I'm mad at. Uh, but that was another interesting thing that I just, you know, movies not entirely forgotten. It's, it's uh, preserved in the Library of Congress. So uh, good for them. Nepotism. Yes, sure, sure. We'll go with it. Um, 
yeah so uh this is talk to me about the supporting actor lineup this is an odd one but having not seen any of the others it seems like it it's bad um the thing is the performance in this category that i like the most is gene hackman but gene hackman is in every single scene of i never sang for my father and has more screen time than melvin douglas so obviously in the wrong category out of the others, it probably is Chief Dan George who gives the best performance. I would be surprised if not, because he's yeah, good and I haven't John heard John Marley much. is yeah. in one or two scenes of that movie and is not very memorable. It's a legacy. And then Richard S. Castellano is playing like a loud Italian man who's one note. And then John Mills and Ryan's daughter is... I've Very. seen scenes and I, I, yeah, yeah. John Mills sure is in Ryan's daughter and yeah, sure really did bad. win an Oscar for it. Very bad. Um, yeah, bad group. All of the acting lineups this year were pretty bad. The only, yeah. the Five only nominees pieces that I can a, say I a, like are, I, I, I like the, I never sang for my father. I like the five easy pieces and I guess Chief Dan George. Otherwise, I'm not really too big on on this on this year. Yeah. Uh, what else have I even seen? I thought Glenda Jackson was good in Women in Love. I'm not um, a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of these. I liked Five Easy Pieces. Um, th- those. Uh, Sally Kellerman is fine in Mash. Uh, movie I also didn't love. Those are maybe the only other movies here I've even seen. Yeah, I've seen the acting all categories. the acting nominees this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Not like great. It. This supporting actor lineup, I'm, I mean, John Mills had this unlock. It was very obvious. Yeah, um, seems like it win. for some reason. Um, yeah, who else was was in the conversation? I said Trevor Howard. It was Howard. probably just him and maybe like Chief Dan George is like, no, that never would have happened. Yeah, I mean, he won critics groups, and like, who else? Uh, maybe yeah, but had, at the same like, time, it's like, was that really oh, I, a possibility? Yeah, I also mean like, like who else was in the conversation for nominations? Like, let let me. I don't know. Was there someone in Patton who had enough screen time? I think Carl Malden showed up somewhere. In so maybe he here. was he was close because he was, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna pop over to our good friends at uh, Oscar polls on Twitter and do a little bit of research from that. Um, okay, uh, Frank Langella for Diary of a Mad Housewife won National Board of Review and was the New York Film Critics placed with them. Uh, George Kennedy for Airport and Trevor Howard for Ryan's Daughter, like I mentioned, Globe nominated. Orson Welles for Catch-22 uh, looks like that's listed here. Um yeah, Carl Malden, like I said, for Patton. Uh, I don't know. It seems, Not an interesting group. Yeah, yeah. Seems like there's... Let me look at my movies of 1970 just to see if there's anyone that you know wasn't in the conversation but would have been. This is a year I haven't seen a ton of movies from, really. I've seen 24, according to Letterboxd. Yeah, let me just go that way. Just, I... Uh, uh, trying to navigate Letterboxd, and it's not Have you working. seen Myra Breckenridge? I have not. Do you know what that is? I know the title. I don't know if I know much else. Okay, well, that's it. a... 
I don't know why we're talking about just random 1970 movies, but this movie is like the definition of camp. And yeah. it's like low key better than all of the best picture nominees. And it was absolutely trashed at the time. That, um, yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen a ton from this year. And like half the ones that I do have logged are either animated or shorts or something. Uh, could... My favorite of that year is Woodstock. I watched I still all need to see that. Woodstock and it's yeah. amazing. Um, could have put someone from MASH in supporting actor, uh, but maybe i don't know not a not not a lot to build off of here yeah yeah kind of grasping at well i'm just gonna make some noises i guess um what are there other categories we want to talk about for this movie that is you know a a period piece spectacle at the very least uh what What about like faye dunaway for best supporting actress yeah why not i mean genuinely why uh but like no i i mean it like she kind of would have deserved it at least over like sally kellerman yeah what are the costume design nominations this year okay the winner is cromwell which is also a period piece i've never even heard of that uh, airport is a nominee here for because it's edith head but... airport is nominated for everything yes uh darling lily which i don't know anything else about it's a romantic music that's a spy film right. yeah yes it is that one okay yeah i i, I have heard of this one my that movie was um, a massive flop yeah uh the hawaiians which is a war movie I think, and Scrooge, which also makes sense as a costume nom. But, like, it is kind of strange that this, that little big man, doesn't pick up, like, a costume design or art direction or sound or score or, like, something else. Because it was a big movie at the time. This is one of the, like, if this was a makeup category, if this was the year where they had that category, this would have been nominated. Uh, Kind of interesting that it doesn't get an honorary award because they did that sometimes uh but i guess uh who are the honor okay well this is a uh i mean not that this these would have been the honorary awards where this movie would have been rewarded but uh the honorary awards go to lillian gish and orson wells the thelberg goes to ingmar bergman and the gene herschel goes to frank sinatra so like they had their plate full when it came to giving out honorary awards in this year so I can understand them not wanting to give the makeup guy from Little Big Man also one. He, yeah. I mean, I re- I was like looking at the clip from the behind the scenes and they did do a really good job. Yeah. It yeah, is it- kind of just for one thing, but they have done that a lot in the past. So yeah. definitely would Yeah, what else in these Oscars? Um, Oh, this was something I was going to mention earlier uh, about Dustin Hoffman. Um, So I rewatched Tootsie recently when I did my Jessica Lange miniseries. And I don't think Dustin Hoffman has ever heard what someone with a Southern accent actually sounds like. Because at the end of that movie, when he takes off the, the costume during the live episode and is like, I'm her brother, Michael whatever I'm I'm, I'm 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 edward can't can, I, I talk like this and i'm from the south and he's doing the exact same affectation all throughout this performance and it just doesn't sound like how anyone talks it's it's very strange attempt that uh doesn't work yeah a lot of things he's done haven't worked yes yeah 
including this entire movie and his old voice is also terrible because he's narrating over the course of this and it's and also it's, apparently dustin hoffman screamed for like an hour in yes his dressing room to get the scratchy yeah that that's kind of a funny image just imagining dustin hoffman sitting alone screaming for an hour nonstop. why not i don't know we have you know passed an hour at this point well no because we spent a long time before we started recording talking about the festival um this is gonna be a maybe my shortest episode uh if we want to do a new york film fest check-in just like talk spoiler free about some of those <laughs> movies we've seen for the sake of it since we're both you, here as and- a part of this episode yeah, why not? People are, okay. are curious. Uh, I did those... pick a movie probably years ago. I probably picked this movie like years ago and like not really realizing how little there would be to discover. Yeah. Uh, wh- so what all have you seen at the festival so far? Okay, well, I'm just going to count everything that I've seen since the festival because I've seen a few movies that weren't attached to it, but also like have been a part of other things. I've seen May, December, Poor Things, once within a time which is this new movie from godfrey reggio who is the director of koyana scotsi it's an hour it premiered at moma and i mean yeah that's my shit right there so of course i Hell saw yeah. that um and philip glass did the score it's like i i have to show you like the trailer so because it's crazy Hell yeah. um all of us strangers um poor things again Anatomy of a Fall, The Taste of Things, and Evil Does Not Exist. And then tonight I'm going to a guild screening of The Holdovers. Tomorrow oh, nice. morning, seeing The Zone of Interest. And Thursday, I'm going to the Curse premiere, which is the Nathan Fielder series. And then Saturday, Friday, maybe I'll go see Ferrari. Saturday, I'll probably do Boy in the Heron and Maestro. Nice. Uh, I've seen May, December, Poor Things. Foe. I was at the world premiere yep. screening of Foe that uh, uh, all those bad reviews came out of. Uh, it's not good. Um, the Boy in the Heron, The Human Search 3, All of Us Strangers, In Water, Orlando, My Political Biography. Oh, I want to see In Water. It's interesting. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hitman, uh, the the trifecta of uh, Pedro Costo, Wang Bing, and Jean-Luc Godard shorts that they played together. Uh, Bleat, the Yorgos Lanthimos Emma Stone mm-hmm. short that was uh, uh, done with a live orchestra scoring. Uh, Close Your Eyes, Evil Does Not Exist, Priscilla, uh, and then Yesterday, Anatomy of a Fall, and La Chimera. And then, as I've been saying, uh, uh, so you, I mean, you've seen a lot more than I have. Yeah, because, you know, I got the passes. Because, you know, you live here. You also, like, don't have classes to attend. Yes, there's also that. Yeah, you're, like, you know, you have the more, like, oh, I can see what I can see. Right, I'm very selective about what I'm watching. And I, you know, bought the passes ahead of time and booked this Mm -hmm. hostel and, you know, want to get my money's worth for the reason of taking this trip in the first place. So I'm going to see what I can. Uh, Yeah, I still have, like, 10 more that i'm seeing over the next week oh wow i think yeah so zone of interest uh, again later today from when i'm recording um fallen leaves pictures of ghosts about dry grasses perfect days do not expect too much from the end of the world in our day maestro and ferrari uh so yeah a lot of stuff coming out of this festival what have been your favorites what have been your favorites that you've seen um i mean i think we can both agree poor things and anatomy of a fall are yeah 
Yeah, those two and May and all December. Of us I mean, yeah. May December. I didn't. Ex- I didn't really have anticipation for it, and I thought it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. My my top five so far of those that I've seen: Poor Things, All of Us Strangers, Anatomy of a Fall, May December, and Close Your Eyes. Uh, oh, you really liked All of Us Strangers. I wasn't as yeah. big on it. Still, really I, liked it. I, 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 the Andrew Scott performance really yeah. got me. Yeah, he's. he's I mean, everyone is like all four of them are fantastic, and that Claire Foy is amazing. Jamie Bell is really good. Paul Meskel's very good. Uh, I, I, I was waffling back and forth between that and Anatomy of a Fall as my number two, and maybe I, uh, now that I've slept on Anatomy of a Fall, I, I actually think I am going to put that at number two. Uh, now that I've you know thought on that more, now that you know, I don't know movies. Yeah, Anatomy of a Fall is my favorite because I. Oh my god, it's yeah. It's I also amazing. really liked Hitman. It was so like. Th- there's a reason that when that played, uh, was it TIFF that that premiered? Where wherever it, it the whatever. Yeah, festival, no, I think it was Venice. Yeah, whichever festival it was, where people were like, "Oh wow, there's this new Linklater movie that I didn't." realize was happening but it's great there's a reason all of those first reviews were like this is so charming because it's such a charming movie it's so just like delightful it, it's it's a lot of fun the the two leads have such good like some of the best chemistry i've seen between two leads of a movie in a long time uh i really liked boy in the heron uh bleat evil does not exist was fascinating uh, Orlando, my political biography was a very good doc. La Chimera was good. Priscilla was good. Uh, most I of really the other, yeah, Priscilla was was also very. Kaylee Spaney was fantastic. Jacob Elordi looks exactly like Elvis Presley. Like everything that everyone was saying about Austin Butler looking like Elvis, Jacob Elordi looks exactly like Elvis. It's I mean, uncanny. Yeah. It's truly like. Start. What did you think of Evil Does Not Exist? I it that's a movie that I've been thinking about a lot since that screening. I really liked it, and it is the ending really challenged a lot of people. Yeah, so I was really into the ending. Yeah, I I I don't know what to think about it about the ending, but it's it's an ending that has not left my mind since then. The I've movie is so like beautiful. I love. Yes. The scenes when it's just like the him like chopping the wood for like five minutes or like the shot of like the trees from the ground for like several minutes. Like I love that those parts of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting one. And like even the others that are sort of lower on my list, um, it's mostly shorts and the especially experimental ones, like In Water and Human Surge 3. Uh, and then Foe is at the bottom of the list for reasons we talked about before we started recording. Um, it's not good. And I don't want to say much more than that, because although that's out in theaters now, right? That opened already, Foe? Like yeah, I think it's theaters. Did. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. If if you want to see it, go see it. I did hear some people that liked it, but largely a lot of people in that theater. Uh, uh, were perplexed by it as it was ending. The guy next to me, like, we, uh, total stranger, we started talking afterwards about yeah, how bad it Yeah, this is what I love about it, because I love, like, talking to people in line, because I know that they all have the same interests as me. Yeah. So I just, like, casually start talking to them about movies, and I'm like, oh, what have you seen? 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been a good festival so far. I've, I've been very happy with almost everything I've seen. Yeah. Even the ones that were more, like I said, the more experimental ones that maybe the experiment didn't quite land with me. They were still interesting and compelling movies. Uh, there, there's not many that I was actively not into. Uh, but yeah, some really great stuff. Close Your Eyes, uh, which you haven't you you haven't seen that one hmm. it's it's very good it's from the same director who did spirit of the beehive it's only like his fifth movie uh in 50 years but it's a really fascinating 50? yeah yeah he oh and it's long it it is long but it doesn't feel like it like i i've had oh, some okay. screenings yeah, where no, I've been like, I, I, yeah i have heard of this yeah yes, there have been some screenings where i've been just like by nature of being tired and not getting a lot of sleep i've been you know fighting off you know i've, I've really got to pay attention that one was three hours and i never felt that in that oh, okay it's a very awesome. captivating movie. It, was, it was a very very compelling interesting story that weaves in and out of a bunch of different twists and turns and i don't want to say anything more because again some of these movies like i think that movie doesn't have u.s distribution yet so i don't know when and if people are going to get to see that one but if you do get a chance uh i would wholly recommend that one that's that mm. one really wowed me uh i think that's uh, enough you know uh, uh table setting for these movies with uh, to get people interested in them without getting yeah. too jealous i mean i have some, have to wait my one that i didn't love was the taste of things which I really thought I would. I love all the scenes that are like showing cooking food and ta- when they talk about the food that they're going to make, like those were really awesome to me. I love like watching cooking videos and all of that. I think that's great. But the movie just kind of felt like a generic love story at a lot of it. And it, it's so funny because I watched that movie right after Anatomy of a Fall. And obviously there's the drama around Anatomy of a Fall not being submitted despite winning the Palm d'Or and being a genuine Oscar contender in a several above the line categories. I don't think it's going to hurt it in Fall... those other categories, at least. What? I don't think it's that's going to hurt it in those other categories. No, no, I, I'm not saying that. I just yeah, it, it is just... weird. Yeah, Anatomy of a Fall is two and a half hours. The Taste of Things is like two hours twenty five, so they're about the same length. The Taste of Things feels at least an hour longer than Anatomy of a Fall. It could have easily been 30 minutes shorter. Easily, at least, at least 30 minutes shorter. So that's, that's. We shall see. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's been a good festival so far. Very much looking forward to uh, the rest of the movies that I have going on. Um, And uh, hopefully that for you uh, at home listening, it got you maybe excited about some movies that weren't on your radar. Uh, yeah, I think everyone should see Once Within a Time if you can, because it's only fifty minutes. Yeah, I'll have that and, was the Red, uh, Godfrey Reggio. Yeah, yeah, and I'll have to check. Maybe that out. this is yeah. coming from a biased perspective because Koyana Scotti is my favorite movie ever made, but it is awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. I I definitely have to check that one out because I also love Koyana Scotti. Oh, um, so do we want to uh, give our closing thoughts on Little Big Man now? It is a goofy, nice two-hour, twenty-minute movie. Yeah, that it's a good time. Fable sensibilities and a warm and comforting performance from Chief Dan George, who made history, and 
yeah, I mean, I honestly would recommend it because it is kind of a good snapshot. And of the nominees in this category, he probably should have won. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I agree with that sentiment. Uh, uh, so in your fantasy world, where you get to pick all of the Oscar nominations, what nominations would you have given to Little Big Man? Best Supporting Actress for Faye Dunaway. Hell yeah. And best makeup because, you know, not a category then, but it's a fantasy world. You got to give. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on those. I'm keeping the uh, Chief Dan George nomination. I'm giving Faye Dunaway a nomination. I'll give it a makeup nomination. Why not? I'll give it a costume design nomination. I think the costumes sure. are, are compelling uh, for, for, you know, it's Western costumes and a lot of movies. Uh, there's a lot of westerns, and a lot of them have similar. Like this isn't doing anything especially new with that, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of extras, and they all are costumed well. Uh, maybe production design for the same reason, just because there's a lot of uh, western locations done. I I don't know. It it, it it's a good looking movie on on a craft scale, and yeah, I'm I'm fine with us getting those handful of nominations. I I, I don't think I'd give it. Probably not a best picture, although I don't know. I haven't seen any of these other best picture nominees, and maybe just by default of it being one of the movies I've seen of this year that I liked. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, maybe maybe even adapted screenplay, maybe because of the lack of movies that you've seen. Yes, and also because the other like the nominees that are there include Airport, which I haven't seen, but like I can't imagine that Airport has a better script than this. It's not a bad script. It's it's a I I think it it does a good job of telling this story, this epic story in a a breezy and compelling way. I I think, yeah, th- there have been plenty of worse screenplay nominees in the past. So yeah, why not? I'll throw this a nomination there. I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. As as always, a, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, uh, where can people find you and your stuff? Um, just Twitter, Sam the Parasite. But if you want to, like, I- I'm more and more on Trevor's YouTube channel, Oscar Buzz. So that's where I'd say you should go to. Yeah, right on. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxed at Lone Acting Noms, and on Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode. Thank you for listening.